0: Well, I think the bit of wisdom I have is just to be apart from each other, but be a part of the mission to promote mental health.
1: You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. And on today's episode, Christy Sturgill, our director of marketing, joins me to celebrate the launch of our Be Apart campaign, which she's about to explain. And then after that, Christy and I are going to jump into an interview with Mike Bros, CEO of Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And we're gonna to talk to him about just this new world that we're entering into where, you know, we're, we have to be apart whether we like it or not. And so with that being said, Christy Sturgill, welcome to the Mental Health Down then.
0: Thanks, Matt. So we've made a lot of changes since we we left the office. I think it was like the second week of, of March and we haven't been back And our original annual campaign was very action oriented, telling people, you know, how to get involved in very engaging ways that often involved being in the same space with other people. However, we now live in a society where that isn't the best decision that that we need to maintain physical distance, not necessarily social distance, which which we talk about. But we made a decision the second week of April, which was 2 weeks before May is Mental Health Month, to change our campaign and this year the campaign is Be Apart. The Be Apart campaign is asking us to continue to to do the hard work of physical distancing as recommended by the CDC, but we're also asking people to be a part of something. And for our organization, that might mean being a part of suicide prevention by attending one of our virtual QPR trainings, which is our our suicide prevention training. It might be knowing what's happening at the state and local levels for criminal justice reform that ensures people with severe mental illness aren't being incarcerated it's being a part of ending stigma by listening to this podcast, by learning more about severe mental illness or, or mental illness and, and taking your own mental health seriously. Being a part could also mean supporting the efforts of our street outreach teams, which are on the front lines of working with our unsheltered neighbors by making sure that they have access to food and, and hygiene products while trying to stay quarantined in encampments. So we really want people to continue to be apart physically from each other as we move forward, even as society starts to rethink how we go forward into public spaces again, to continue to be safe, to continue to make the responsible decisions. But to know that that doesn't mean you can't be a part of something bigger than yourself at the same time.
1: Chrissy, that was a beautiful summation of the Be Apart campaign. Where can our listeners find out more about how they can be a part?
0: Well, you can go to our website, mhaok.org. We have a landing page there. There's some action items, obviously, right now that's listened to this podcast. But going forward, as we have events pop up, that's where we're going to post them. I really want people to engage with us on social media. That can be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. That's kind of where we hang out. But, but the majority of our Be A Part campaign is going to be on Facebook and Instagram. And engaging with us means sharing our content on your own page, because that helps more people see our message. It could mean commenting. It could mean posting a reaction on Facebook and just letting us know that, that you care about mental health Through these platforms that are allowing us to be in the same space together digitally, (laughs) because that is, you know, our best, safest option at the moment.
1: That's super exciting. Again, that website is mhaok.org. You can also go to mhaok.org forward slash be apart for all those details. All right, so now let's move into our interview with Mike Bros, which we recorded this a couple days ago and it was really interesting. Christy, what were some of your big takeaways from this interview with Mike Bros?
0: I think what we are sort of emphasizing in this interview is just that we still need to make the responsible decisions, even if they're uncomfortable, even if the laws are no longer in place. And that's going to be harder because we are all fatigued in in staying indoors. But I feel like it's almost a, a rallying call for us to continue doing what we're doing because it's the best thing we can do for ourselves and our family and our neighbors but we we talk a lot about what the new world after we you know exit our homes exit quarantine what it could look like as we we sort of try to reorganize the way we live in a way that is safe and responsible
1: okay so Chrissy, whenever you're on the podcast i love it when you kick off the podcast with you know the the very fun which i always enjoy but i love it when you do it is the mental health download starts now
0: <laughs> the mental health download starts now
1: Mike, I would love for you to kind of give an overview of what you're hearing as far as opening up goes.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. I, I I want to kind of reference back to a podcast that Christine and I did right after we went to uh, virtual. And we went to our social distancing, operating the organization to a great extent from remote locations and safety early on. I think, Christy, we called it, when does social distancing become social isolation? That was like on Monday after we all started doing that. I wasn't socially isolated yet, but now, man, and I think i, I really think this all plays together because I mean, li- li- little did we know. I don't know. I thought maybe two weeks. I didn't know. You know. I mean, we're all done. Let's go back and and you now this is unfolding. Here we are, what a month and a half later, and we're still uh, going on. So the pressure is building economically as well as just people. I think people are just feeling very cabin fever, restless, itching to get back, and even to the extent of maybe putting themselves and their families at risk or the people we serve at risk. Now, you know, I'm a big student of languaging. What do words and phrases mean? Reopening really references that we've been closed. We've never been closed. We have continued to operate. The question was, how do we operate and create new business models and do it safely and keep our set Our again, it's always not just ourselves as staff, but it's also us always being aware that we could potentially be a carrier, be asymptomatic and be passing it on to people we serve. And nobody wants that. So we never stopped. And matter of fact, not only really have we not stopped, with our support groups, we've expanded. Our homeless outreach teams continue to work. We're continuing to house people. We're continuing to work with our 24-7 housing locations. We're continuing to take care of our properties. We're continuing to, you know, uh, do all the things that we would normally do and plan and develop. And it's kind of been like doing two jobs at the same time. I don't know about you guys, i found it very stressful at times. I've never worked so hard in my life. But so reopening, uh, we've never really closed. Now, again, though, but there are businesses out there that have been closed to a great extent. And for them, a lot of that is economics, what have you, and I get that. But we're really at a kind of a catch-22, that's what I would call it, is the need and the pressure economically to reopen or to get commerce going again. At the same time, we've all read and heard about uh, historical as well as in this COVID-19 episodes uh, where there is a secondary surge of infections. And I think we're all really concerned about that. So how do you do that? And what's going to look different, guys, with the world? I've got my mask with me. I've got my gloves with me. Uh, My hands are dried out. They're like, You know, (laughs) they're washing them so much, you know, and, you know, I'm like, I see people and I see things on TV and I'm like, hey, you're all crowded up there. Spread out, man. You know, wait a minute. That was pre-COVID-19, you know, and then like I'm walking in with, bless his heart, with Dan Billingsley. Uh, God bless Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits. They've done enormous job communicating with nonprofits and I've been on all their calls. They've been fantastic, bringing on very informative speakers, very helpful, what have you. I saw Dan Billingsley coming in today. I wanted to hug him. Uh, no, Dan, I can't hug you, man. You know, this is a psychological uh, phenomenon, man.
0: So one of the things that we're talking about is how do we safely interact with other humans going forward? And how do we cope with almost the grief that we all are collectively feeling with the way things used to be like watching movies or old videos and seeing people in big groups and being like, I want to go to a concert or, or a a football game or all of these things that we might not get to do this year, maybe not even next year. So how, what are some changes that you're seeing at the organizational level, just in, just in our plaza in terms of how we plan to interact with other humans safely?
2: Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, Wendy Frelick, our our chief administrative officer, I deputized her real early on as our, our COVID nineteen compliance officer to really hold all of our feet to the fire in terms of safety protocols, what have you. And she and I had a had a really long conversation on the last Friday about that. And and of course one of the owners groups here at Legacy Plaza is going to start moving back in what I'm understanding is some of that's driven by they've struggled with technology. And I I think right now, technology is like, uh, it's like a platform. You have to have your technology. And again, I think that's going to be something that's going to go forward. I think we're not going to, you know, we might have conference calls, but we can just as easily jump on a zoom and see each other. I think that's going to carry forth and continue well into the future. I don't think that's going to change. But then I know they're also, they're going to have all the hallways taped off one way, and they can't pass each other, and using masks, not congregating, what have you. And I, I think, again, I think part of our discussion has been, well, do we really need to do that right now? Or can we wait a while and continue to operate as effectively, maybe more effectively, in the remote way that we've been doing it, we've gotten pretty good at it, actually, in all size groups and what have you. And I'm sure other listeners of the podcast—they're getting better all the time too. So it's really a kind of a crossroads, and and I think if we're not careful, there could be a perception of like, "Oh, you mean Mental Health Association Oklahoma hasn't reopened?" No, we've redesigned. It, to your word, we've redesigned, and you know, and I've been pretty. I've been pretty emphatic with the teams and the staff and the, and the managers about, you know, again, what my language has been creating new business models, creating new ways to achieve the same deliverables, if you will, and being able to do that and what have you do it and do it different, more safely in our current situation. And again, what's going to, what are we going to take with us into the future? I, I think, um, One of the things that may happen is organizations, both in the profit and nonprofit areas, may begin to evaluate how much office space do they really need.
0: The marketing team specifically, we don't need to be in the office every day. And sometimes we're more productive if we can choose to work from home or somewhere a little more productive or a project we're working on if we need to do deep work and we don't want to get stuck inside conversations or something like that. And so we had been talking about remote working opportunities just for our team, probably for six months leading up to everybody in the whole world working remotely.
2: So you guys all know about in terms of email and text, one of the things that happens is some things don't translate well. Like you'll misinterpret things on text or email, you know, and things get, you know, emotion doesn't get translated very well. Well, this right here, we're all doing this right now, looking at each other. That starts to take that a little bit off the table. and makes it easier. I, you know, I mean, you guys look like you're pretty happy right now. But if you're not, or, you know, you just, you know, uh, Christy just gave me a thumbs up. If you think about, it, that's what we do on texting right now. We we use the emojis to help convey the emotion. But now with this with this level of platform, you know that kind of that sort of makes it easier to be able to do that. You could make an argument again. I think one of the the, the hesitancies about remote working is being oh, what if we lose productivity? What if what if somebody is not really working? I mean, I've never worked so hard in my life. And again. Now, I'm old enough, guys, you guys don't remember this, but I'm old enough to remember this is that we didn't used to have these computers. We didn't used to have this level of technology. And, you know, then technology, texting, email came in, and you felt the acceleration of productivity. I think it's possible that as using these formats, it may even accelerate it further because we don't have to take the time. Oh, I got to drive across town to this meeting. Uh, There's 30 minutes. Well, we can do it like this and do it right now. So it's interesting that it may actually speed and and accelerate productivity even further by being able to do that. Again, I think as we become familiar, I mean, how long ago I would have never said that. How long? A month and a half ago? A month and a half ago, guys, what I mean, in the speed of change right now. And I think that's one of the things that from a mental health standpoint, people are really experiencing that. And in a way that it feels almost overwhelming. And It's fascinating. But I I think that uh, I'm going to be tomorrow. I'm having a business meeting at five o'clock and we're having a, you know, it's like having a drink. Uh, at five o'clock with another colleague and we're going to do social slash business. And normally we would have, okay, that's at five. I would have had to leave at four thirty. I would have had to find a place to park, had to walk down the street, get in there, what have you, which by the way, I still enjoy and I hope I get to do it again. But now we're just going to, I'm going to be out on my back deck and she's going to be in her uh, condominium and we're going to have a, have a business meeting. And I guess I'll have a glass of something and she'll have a glass of something. And, I mean, we're doing business. I mean, and I think that I think that's going to continue. I think that is going to continue.
0: You bring up a good point because when when this whole thing started, people were brainstorming about how they could creatively use their time that they would have otherwise spent commuting or taking a lunch break or you know d- normal things that would take up time in your day. And I read an article this weekend that people are working on average three hours longer per day than what they did when they were in the office the boundaries between what's acceptable interruptions from your place of business has kind of went away. And so some people are talking about how they were getting requests from their boss on Easter Sunday, which would have been unheard of last Easter. And and so that's also a struggle where people are, one, feeling the pressure to prove themselves because a lot of companies are facing layoffs. So they're just constantly trying to prove their worth. So they're not a part of those layoffs. And and in doing so, they're getting overworked and they're not having time to decompress. And that also can't be very healthy for our minds and for coping with so much change happening in such a short period of time. So what recommendations do you have for people and for businesses to make sure that they're not hurting their employees
2: Oh, that is a great question, because I think that for our, for the listeners of the podcast, from a mental health standpoint, I think we can't hurt our employees, and not only the employees, potentially their own families. And so I think we're going to need to talk, have a lot more conversation about boundaries. I know, you know what you're describing is, again, which has been a problem for a while, but even more so now, about, oh, I go home from work, and what do I do? I get on my email. Well, I don't do that. I haven't done that in a long time, but I think a lot of employees feel the pressure to do that in that expectation of real-time response and what have you. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, if you need me to look at an email, just send me a text and say, I need you to look at something now because otherwise, or say, I sent you an email, if you get a chance in the morning, take a look at it. But I didn't really, again, I've been trying to be very disciplined at five o'clock, five thirty, shut it down and do something else and with my family. And it's interesting that I'm with my family, but I'm not really with them. And my wife is with me, but she's not really with me. She's on a call, I'm on a call. Oh, our son's at our house right now. We're not really with us. He's back in his bedroom with the doors shut because he gets tired of listening to us uh, on these calls talking over my headphones of a one sided conversation that he can't hear both sides of it. So, you know, I, I think that it's important about, we're going to have to talk in the workplace more about boundaries, 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 and encourage people. You know, we're going to have a, we have employees that are trying to organize a virtual party. I mean, dang, I mean, I heard that. I heard that. I got so excited. A party. Who's having a party? We're having a party. All right. Virtual. I, I'll take it. It's not the best, but I'll take it. I mean, dang, I mean, I need something. Uh, to just sort of, because it's all work and no play makes Mike a dull boy. But I think it's a mental health thing, you know. We've got to have some playtime. And what are we doing for playtime right now? And again, it's interesting the language changing here, going from social distancing to physical distancing. And so we can still be social, but physically separated more. So anyway, it's a changing, rapidly changing. And I think it's going to take a while to shake out. I really
1: do. Yeah. So Christy Sturgill, you are head of the marketing department at Mental Health Association, and you're also very innovative. And you, like you mentioned in your, in your very thoughtful questions, you're reading a lot and you're hearing about what life post-COVID will be like. So in that, in that realm of business, what are your thoughts?
0: I think a lot of people could really have a better balance in their life. In under the right circumstances of remote working. And I think in an ideal world, we take the good pieces of remote working and the good pieces of working in the office, and we create a, a new environment where we can do both. And it's comfortable doing both. And that more people, what's exciting about that is when you think about being able to work remotely, that opens up people in rural communities who don't have access to jobs. Now they have access to new lines of employment that they can do from Ullaga or Nowada, where otherwise they would have to drive over an hour to get to a metropolitan to work. And so I see the opportunities that we could we could have Even if you think about tech companies on the East and West coast, instead of outsourcing outside of the United States for their work, they could see the benefit of, of outsourcing their work to the heart of the country where people have lower cost of living even. And so, so I feel like there's, there's good that can be taken from both worlds and we can create a new normal that is, is much better than what we had before.
1: Hey Mike. So I think a lot of us we've we've talked a lot about telehealth and we've seen developments going on in telehealth and some you know over the years some really innovative things that I don't think have caught on as fast as we thought they would. So can you talk about some of the innovations in telehealth that actually exist now and maybe how they will actually be widely accepted and widely used?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and again, for our listeners, the podcast telehealth. Basically, you know, using Internet connectivity, these, these platforms to be able to deliver services. And we've sort of had the, the, the dichotomy as being, oh, that's for people who are either there are rural areas and then expertise is in a more metro area or in another area. Or that, you know, if someone has some type of serious mobility problem, what have you, they can actually be able to be brought in via telemedicine to, to consult all that's going to continue. But I think that other things are going to change and where it's going to become, I think billing may change in different ways where it'll be much, much more widely accepted and not questioned as much that this will be a legitimate way to, it may be in the future, if I need to talk to my, my physician office or my doctor, maybe I don't go into the office. Maybe I have a conversation with my physician on, Telehealth, in that where he or she can be paid and build my insurance, or if my uh, mental health, I can uh, meet, talk to my psychiatrist or to my clinician or what have you. Now, right now, lots of clinicians are doing telemedicine, telehealth with their clients, and I think and and they're doing it for safety reasons. But I think what we're going to get into is that that much more wider acceptance is that. This is a legitimate way to do it, and so, and for a lot of clients, it may be easier. They might be nervous or hesitant to participate because they have to get in their car, they have to go in, they have to go into their offices, they have to go through all the labor-intensive, what have you. Now, obviously, there'll be things that they'll still have to do. That I, you know, I was, you know, I've I've got a, some up, upcoming dental uh, appointment things that I have to take care of. I don't think we're going to be able to do that via telemedicine. Now, that doesn't mean I couldn't talk to my dentist and describe to him or her what the issue is or what have you. I I don't know. I hope they don't have to ask me to hold my mouth up to the camera. I hope that we don't, we don't get that far. But you don't know what what comes like. Do they have some like, OK, some kind of a, uh, put that in your mouth and so I can see it. I don't know. They're, they do some of that telemedicine on some of those procedures now. Those kind of things. So, I, but again, I think this is a really re- evolving sort of thing. And again, it becomes more comfortable for the cl- for the service deliverer, and it's gonna it's gonna become after this, I think, more comfortable for the the patient or the client or whatever language you want to use in a way that we've never really seen before.
0: I have a therapist, and we meet via telemedicine, and it's quite nice. I I like it a lot. Probably did you do it they- before? Yeah, before. Before. Okay. before so I, I had both in person and then now virtual. Mm-hmm. And I very much enjoy the yeah. virtual sessions. Yeah. I think it's nice.
2: Yeah. The old guy in the room here, the virtual room, excuse me. We, I mean, I'm a high touch guy. I love touch. I love closeness. I love, you know, again, body language. I can pick up body language a lot through this medium, but I can't see all of our bodies. I can only see part of our bodies. So, how people cross their legs? If I'm working with a family, how they're how closely they're sitting next to each other. And the other thing is, you know, how do you like a lot of my work is with couples or families? You know, do I have to do I move the the, the camera around? How do we do that? Uh, that makes that a little more of a barrier, that kind of thing. But but you know, those are way those are things. But it's going to be hard for me because I like that. But I do think that it becomes a legitimate alternative. It'll be interesting to see what insurance companies do. I think they're going to have to really, really open up their rules where it's a one-to-one, it's not a reduced cost, anything, but it's a one-for-one happens-to-apples comparison. I think that's coming if it's not already here.
1: So I was talking to Lucinda Morty this morning for another podcast, and we, we got to talking about how this COVID era we believe that this could maybe be a really big step towards breaking down the stigma of mental illness, that people are more, they understand the extreme anxiety, the depression that they are experiencing. They know they cannot do this on their own. They have to reach out for help. And luckily, the media and, you know, family and friends, they are talking about mental health probably in ways they never have. So what are your thoughts on the future of mental breaking down the stigma of mental illness and the legacy that COVID will play in that.
2: Yeah. I, again, I think one of the most fascinating things that I've thought about this, and I've talked to others about it. This COVID-19 is on the minds of every single person on the face of this earth. We're all thinking about it. We're all talking about it. We're all having conversation about it. You don't even have to call, say the words COVID-19. You can just kind of reference it and people know exactly what you're talking about. And so a part of that is we're all talking about how it's impacting us, and it's sort of legitimizing that, hey, this thing is affecting me. It is messing with me, and people are talking about it. We're talking about it from a safe distance to our neighbors across the fence. We're talking to you know, each other in ways that we never have about how am I feeling how is this affecting my mental health, my anxiety, my fears, feelings of depression in a way and sort of how it's sort of like we're all in this boat together. So that legitimizes it, not just for related to COVID-19, but to other things as well. And I think that's going to potentially have a huge, huge sort of, we're all the same. Of course, we've always at Mental Health Association, Oklahoma, we've always said there's no us and them with mental health. It's just us. we all are affected by it. But, but I think we've by and large lived in a Us and them world, but COVID-19 has leveled the playing field. Oh, we're all in this now. It's all it's affecting all of us, and we've all got good days with it, we got bad days with it. We've got, I mean, I know I had one day where I woke up and the sun was shining and the birds were chirping, and I was all excited about something. And some things we had some bad news that day, and by the end of the day, I was down the dumps man the clouds moved in it started raining and so but, but we're all can talk about that and people are like yeah me too and so that sort of by being The very nature of we're all in this together, it legitimizes these emotions, these feelings, this anxiety, the sadness, the grief, the loss that we're all experiencing right now. And so I think in the long haul, that has great possibilities for reducing the stigma of mental health, mental illness. Also talking about people are struggling with substance abuse, domestic violence, child abuse, it's really all these things are in play right now in ways we've never seen it before related all to what this COVID-19 thing is doing.
1: Okay, Christy and Mike, thank you so much, both of you for being here on the Mental Health Download. And as we do at the end of every podcast, we ask the guests to close us out with our rallying cry, which is go do good things. But because it is May is Mental Health Month and because we are launching the Be A Part campaign, I want to mix things up. And Christy, I want you to share a bit of wisdom with us and then close us out by saying, be a part and go do good things. So take it away, Christy.
0: Well, I think the bit of wisdom I have is just to be apart from each other, but be, be a part of the mission to promote mental health and to join us this month as we talk a lot about various aspects of, of mental health in the state of Oklahoma and to, to go to our Facebook page and to consider sharing our May is Mental Health Month fundraiser with your friends and family, knowing that it supports some really good programs and services that are doing a lot of hard work right now. So be a part and go do good things.